0: What's up everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Quick Slant Podcast. This is your host Brady Trantham and with me as always is Mr. Chris Ross. How you doing brother? I'm doing well man.
1: I'm uh, excited about this episode, our predictions podcast. That's uh, at least the first part of it. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be doing a few of these. Maybe maybe one more, maybe two more. Just because you know, fall camp hasn't even began yet and whenever all that stuff kind of comes up, you know, players get suspended, players get hurt, and that could really derail some of these predictions. So again, I'm pretty sure we're going to do maybe one or two more. It might it
1: might derail your predictions, but uh, mine stand the test of time. I'm I'm pretty solid.
0: Yeah, you were good on Bay- <laughs> you were pretty good on Baylor losing their last six games last year. So let's see. I mean, I also call West Virginia to be the dark horse in the Big Twelve last year. So we, we were you know let's pat ourselves on the back, you know, here and there.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... I made a number of predictions last year, but I don't know. I don't remember any of them except for the fact that I said Baylor would lose the last six games, which they did. <laughs> so uh, Poor so Baylor.
0: Everybody, I, everybody's whipping boy in the Big 12.
1: Whatever I say your team is going to do this year, just get ready. Don't even argue it. There's no point in it. Just accept it. These
0: are final. And, ha- and have a great season. Yeah. These are final until the next prediction show. Yeah, it, it's
1: final until we change our mind.
0: But of course, before we get into that, there is one pressing matter, and that is, you know, Chris and I are recording this in Edmond, Oklahoma. We're both from Oklahoma. Where are we on the map? I mean, this is like a hot debated topic right now all over Twitter. I mean, ESPN put out on around the horn where they had the panel basically trying to figure out is Oklahoma Midwest, is it Southwest, is it Southern, is it the Great Plains, Is it just Oklahoma? I mean... I You know, I don't know. I I was saying... I I grew up
1: in Oklahoma my whole life. Um, Growing up, I always kind of thought Midwest. You know, that's what you kind of always heard. But as I got older, Midwest really is more Illinois, Ohio, Indiana. You know, that region up there. Kind of Big Ten country. Um, Kansas is kind of a little bit, you know, that area. Um, But Oklahoma... I, I, I don't think it's Southwest, though, either, because when you say Southwest, I think... Um, I think Iowa... Or I, I think Deserts. Deserts, yeah. I think New Mexico, Arizona, uh, maybe a little bit of Nevada. West uh, Texas. West Texas, you know. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think of Oklahoma. So, for me, I think
0: people... It's hot, it's hot like the desert. Yeah.
1: Pe- <laughs> people in the Southwest think Oklahoma's in the Midwest. People in the Midwest think Oklahoma's in the Southwest. And, and really, honestly, like like you were saying this a little bit before the show, uh, we were talking about it, and and I, I I think I agree with you that Oklahoma and Texas are kind of their own their own thing. And yeah. I, and I I I have a name for it. I I know where I put Oklahoma. I put them in the Heartland.
0: Heartland. Yeah. I mean, I've I've lived in Texas. I used to live in Abilene, Texas, for about six years. Um, my dad was in the Air Force, so I've lived all over the freaking globe. And whenever I'd meet new people from wherever they lived, that people, people would say, oh, Oklahoma's southern. Now, I get a lot of southern, and I kind of understand where that comes from. I mean, this is kind of a historically a country state. It's a farming state. So there's a lot of that kind of cultural similarity with the south. Um, but I don't really identify as a Southerner, and I don't think really anybody in the state identifies as a Southerner. Yeah,
1: you say the South. I think SEC, Alabama, yeah, Mississippi, yeah. Georgia. Th- that's that's the South. Um, not Missouri. <laughs> yeah, no, not not Missouri. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's odd. It, it we're I. It's the Heartland. Uh, that's all I really care about. You know, when uh, I, I was telling you this before the show. When uh, I set out to launch this venture, um, one of the one of the very first problems I had was was naming it. W- what do I call this thing? And I, I decided early on I didn't want Big Twelve in the name because you know the things can change and and you know that would be awkward later on if the Big Twelve
0: <laughs> lawsuits could be handed out. We don't want that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I didn't want Big 12 in the name, so it was, uh, what do I call it, and there's another site for, you know, an SEC site called uh, Saturday Down South, and they have a sister site uh, called Saturday Traditions, and I thought that was really cool, so I, I was thinking about that, you know, like, what part of the country is Big 12, and how could I maybe use that, and, and yeah, I was running into the same issue. Well, like, what, what they're not Midwest, I mean, West Virginia is way out there in the East, Um but for the most part, Texas, Oklahoma, they make up the majority of the schools. So what, what do you call this area? And honestly, I, I just couldn't come up with anything, and I kind of changed gears and ended up coming up with Lane Grant Gauntlet, and uh, the rest is history there. But it, it's definitely kind of something funny to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, just kind of round it up. I've, if somebody asked me, you know, and I've been asked a handful of times throughout my life, surprisingly, this is... Actually, a topic that goes well back. It's not just from this ESPN thing. Um, but if you just straight up ask me, I, I've always thought of Texas and Oklahoma as their own little part of the map. And it, um, Texans don't really consider themselves Southern. They consider themselves Texan and only Texan sometimes, not even American. <laughs> they just want to be Texans. And I, while I, while while people from Oklahoma aren't exactly that way... There's a lot more similarities with between Oklahomans and Texans than probably the, either one would like to admit, um, but more so than what they would share with Southwest, the Southwestern states, the Midwestern states, or the Southern states. So Oklahoma and Texas, they're their own part of the map. And historically, if and you know, this is a college football podcast, college football-wise, that's very true.
1: Yeah, nobody flies their state flag like the Texans do. I mean... You drive down to Texas, the state flag is everywhere. And, and I've been fortunate enough to travel through the majority of the country, and and I can't even recall, recall seeing another state flag.
0: Yeah, I mean, California's pretty proud of their state, but uh, it's there's not a lot of state pride um, in California as, <laughs> as, as exaggerated as there is in Texas. Uh, maybe Exaggerated Colorado. in a good way.
1: Colorado might be the next closest, but it, there's a big gap there.
0: Well, I mean, they're... They're a mile high in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Literally and figuratively. Yeah, but, you know, moving on to more pressing matters, and that's a prediction show in late July, before fall camp has even started, before really anything.
1: That's how you know you get everything right. If you do it before fall camp, before before anything can happen, that's how you know you get it right.
0: Exactly. I mean, everybody is healthy, as far as we know. Nobody has been suspended or kicked off that, that um that we don't know about right Push.
1: now is the best time of year everybody Before football actually starts see everybody thinks the season is the best part of the year but really except for a handful of teams everybody's dreams just just end up getting crushed so right now everybody <laughs> is undefeated everybody is going to have the dream season that their will, fans think they're gonna have will
0: greer is the second coming of johnny unitas oh yeah i mean
1: we'll get that. I, will greer is is very good and, and uh Jay, he, he's gonna have a, a QB breakdown here pretty quick, and
0: shout out and to he, the new guy. Yeah, shout out to the new guy. He,
1: Jay is really good at his uh, X's and O's stuff, so definitely uh, check that out. But he's pretty high on Greer too. You know, he's watched a lot of his filming, and, and Greer is definitely a talented back. So there's reason for West Virginia to be excited, but you don't have to prove it in July.
0: No, but we have to. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this show. Um, I guess we can just start this off pretty basic, and then we'll, like, I I have a lot of...
1: For for the record, we have not seen or spoken to each other about our picks. We wanted this to be very natural as we run through the schedule and kind of make our picks. I don't know Brady's. He doesn't know mine. So uh, this should be fun.
0: Yeah, so... I mean, I, I worked for about two hours on this because it's really surprisingly hard to. It it's w- it's one thing to say you know Kansas State is going to go this record, and West Virginia is going to go this record, but if you go through everybody's schedule, you're going to trip. You're going to find that you've tripped yourself up and you've probably had Kansas State beat Texas and then Texas beat Kansas State. You can't. You know, you have to kind of fix fix everything as you go along, and it's surprisingly a lot harder than I thought going into it. But I'm pretty happy with it right now. So, I guess we well, I'll just start it off and just kind of go 1 through 10. Do do we want to Oh, okay. So, yep. how do, do you want to do this like week 1? No, like I we can we can just do like the way I was saying um, thinking, we can just do 1 through 10 and then we'll break it down into schedules. Okay. Yeah, so Okay, that's fine. So, I I'll start from the bottom up just to give them give some you know, you give get, your get bottom five. Time.
1: I'll give you my bottom five.
0: Oh, okay, All right. starting with uh, number ten yeah. in the Big Twelve the team with the conference with twelve in the num- name and ten teams coming in at number ten at three and nine and one and eight in the conference is Texas Tech. Goodbye, Cliff Kingsbury. Hello, Cliff Kingsbury, as the offensive coordinator in Norman. <laughs> this is tenth, right? Yes, this is. So 10th.
1: you do not have Kansas as number ten. Nope. That's interesting because I don't have Kansas as number ten either. But I have a different school. K- but
0: Kansas, Kansas at least has momentum. Texas Tech has nothing going into this season. Yeah, I- they have a lame duck, he- lame duck head coach, and I, I hate to say it, it's just there's just nothing that I can see Texas Tech grabbing onto. But I do have them having one interesting win this year, but we'll get into that later. So okay. coming in at number nine on my on my uh, prediction is the Kansas Jayhawks at three and nine, but two and seven in conference. So I have them at nine, two and seven in conference, three or yeah, three and seven. Excuse me, or two and seven. Yes, yeah. two and seven in conference. Who do you have them beating? That's a good question. Let me pull it up. Texas Tech, of course. And I do have them upsetting Baylor. Okay. Baylor's gonna be an interesting team for me, but we'll get to that. Who's Yeah, your... okay. Yeah. Um for me, coming at number eight, it's going to be TCU at six and six. Three and six in conference. Oh there's, wow. there's TCU. Whoa. It all it, right. it really comes down to quarterback play
1: we're very different on that one okay. so
0: I, I this, this is what makes it interesting nope yeah so for me number seven Baylor also at six and six okay and then uh, here's where everything gets a little interesting for me number six Iowa State at seven and five five and four in conference number five Texas. At 7-5, and 4-5 and, four and five in conference, and when we get to the schedule breakdown, Texas is going to be the really um, odd school. It, it's not going to make sense at first. I just kind of have this vision of how their season will go in my head, and I'm kind of still riding with it. Um, breaking into the top four, and I think it's we're going to pretty much agree on the top four. Just, we might have a team. Wait,
1: to, wait, we're just supposed to do bottom five right Bottom now. five, okay. So you kind of... Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Well, okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. So...
1: I, at number 10, have Baylor. Um, I went through the schedule, kind of going through the games, one by one, looking at each game and just kind of giving what I thought. And And I took into account where that game was on the schedule, you know, home and away, all that stuff that you take into account. And then I looked at the win totals to find out the rankings. So I didn't go into this intentionally putting Baylor at 10, That's just kind of where they fell. They edge out. They actually, in in my predictions, I have Kansas and Baylor finishing with the same conference record. But Kansas, because of the easier non-conference schedule, has an extra win there. So their overall record gives them the advantage over Baylor. So at number nine, I have Kansas. But then number eight, I have Texas Tech. And uh, I agree with you. Um, Kingsbury, unfortunately, on nothing against the guy, but he's on his way out. Um, it, it, I, I don't know if he has any, any more answers to, to give. Um, the defense should be improved, yeah, but the, the offense is going to take a step back, and even if that defense is improved, um, we, I've said it before, I'll say it again, if that defense improved by 40 spots in the rankings... They would still rank in
0: the 80s. I'll admit, Tech is kind of a hard team to predict because with the offense that they can put up and the numbers that they can put up, there might be a game that Texas Tech can catch somebody on a bad night and be able to, you know, and be able to pull out a win. So, for instance, last year's uh, Texas Tech Oklahoma game, uh, if Oklahoma didn't come into that game fully prepared on offense because they didn't come in fully prepared on defense, but if they didn't come prepared on offense, Texas Tech would have walked out of a um, that game with a victory, a huge upset. So, Tech is pretty hard to predict.
1: Yeah, um, but but I think we we'll both agree that they're going to finish in the bottom half of the conference for sure. At number seven, I have Texas going 5-7 and seven once again. Largely, this is because, you know, everybody that finished above them last year, they finished sixth in the conference last year, and even though I have them bumped down, they are... At the same, they have the same record, and that's because everybody ahead of them um, that finished ahead of them last year is just they're getting better. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Kansas State, TCU, West Virginia are dark horses. So Texas is going to have a hard time. Tom Herman's going to have a hard time getting that that ball rolling this year. However, they're they're going in the right direction, but um, it doesn't show up in the in the rank in the schedule this year. Um, but I have them tied in conference play at three and six with my number six team, Iowa State. But Iowa State gets the extra non-conference win because they're not playing Maryland. They're not playing USC. They're, they play Northern Iowa, Iowa, and Akron. Um, Iowa State, I have them as the most improved team in the conference. I love what Matt Campbell is doing there in Ames. Um, so I have them uh, I have them at number six. And then at number five, I'll go ahead and get my fifth one since Brady did. I have TCU. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I got a little overzealous. It's, yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> it's football in July. Uh, TCU at five. You're di- I think that's probably the biggest difference that we've had so far because everything is relatively the same between our picks. I mean, teams are you know flip flopped here and there, but yeah, TCU. Like we're completely in, um, on a different page with TCU. And the, I mean, it's interesting to me because TCU is they're kind of an enigma to me. Yeah, I think Meacham is a huge loss. I think it that's is. going to be a huge loss for them. It's going to be a huge gain for Kansas, maybe not this year, but definitely in the next few years if
1: Sonny he Cumbie helps kind of mitigate that loss, though, yeah. I feel
0: yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and then you also have Gary Patterson, who's probably the best or the second-best coach in the Big 12 with Bob Stoops retiring. you know, I think that's without a mm-hmm. doubt. I mean, the jury's still well out on a lot of the young sure. guys.
1: it's between Gundy and, and Patterson at this point. Sure. And, and Snyder. You always have to throw in Snyder, yeah. but you're talking about – even though Kent State is an upper echelon team this year, Patterson's a very good coach. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I I do think that TCU, they have so many question marks on defense, and then you know the whole Kenny Hill ignominy. That's
0: that's that's what does it for me. If they had some other quarterback, just anybody else that I didn't have any type of tape on, and any type of predetermined thought. And that's probably that's probably bad of me, you know, because you maybe that would put catapult them into the top five in my prediction. But it's just Kenny Hill. Like I just cannot I cannot get on the Kenny Hill train.
1: Yeah, last year there were a, TCU had a high expectations and they they fell well short of that. They should have um, beaten
0: Arkansas, but Kenny Hill. Yeah, <laughs> and, and,
1: and they had they had some other issues happening, and and they just couldn't get it together on the field, which is very rare for. Um, for a Patterson team, but you look at the what happened in the spring and to me the biggest concern is what happened in the spring. The spring did very little to ease any of those concerns. They had the same issues in the spring game that they had last season, which is very odd again for a Gary Patterson team. So they're an enigma. And then then Texas is my my next biggest enigma because they could be very good, but they could also struggle because I I would I would urge everybody to you know pump the brakes because while Tom Herman does look to be the future for the Longhorns, you know, to run his system, there's just not the personnel, you know, in Austin right now. They're short on tight ends. They have a lot of depth issues. He doesn't have the quarterback he wants. He's he's kind of made that clear. Um, so I, I I think I think Coach Herman expects some struggles this year.
0: Yeah, my 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 biggest deal with Texas. I agree with everything you said. It's not going to equate to a lot of wins, and even even me predicting that they're going to go seven and five is a complete reach for me. But just the way their schedule is laid out, and the way that Herman prepares his team, and this goes back to you know offensive coordinator at Ohio State, this goes back to his days at Houston. There's just something to be said about momentum and players buying into a coach. And while Herman has not coached one game yet at Texas, I feel like there's a different type of atmosphere around Austin now than there was. There's when, an excitement. Yeah, there's an excitement now. When Charlie Strong was the head coach, there was a different type of expectation. There was a different type of atmosphere, and it didn't really, it didn't really call for a lot of optimism going into that first year. If there was any optimism, it was it was a few years down the road with Texas. Let it, let
1: me run something by you. Because while I very much agree with everything you're saying, there is an excitement in Texas there's, um, you know, that they they feel like they're on their way back. and, And I agree. However, these aren't Coach Herman's players. These are Charlie Strong's players. And Charlie Strong was a completely different style of coach. He was a players coach and the players he had liked him for that they came to play for him um tom herman is very much the opposite i mean when he left houston there was a little bit of salt there but you saw uh, some players kind of take some shots and say oh finally we'll get a real coach in here you know and, and obviously what herman did in at houston you know he you know everybody knows he's a very good co- coach but he does uh kind of ride his guys really hard and Their opening schedule, let me run this by you. It's Maryland, San Jose State, USC, at USC, at Iowa State, and I think Iowa State's going to be really improved. Then they have Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. I have them going two and, what is that, five, two and five in that run. If they start losing early, and we know how he feels about winners and losers and how he treats losers, um, is this a team that quits on him?
0: That's that's going to be the big question: is if the team quits on them, then my prediction will not happen whatsoever. They will not go seven and five. Um, I have them really finishing the season off really well. Um, I have them performing one huge upset, probably the, the well, biggest their upset. Their schedule in the big is 12. very
1: front loaded, yeah. so they could end
0: well. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, that's going to be the big question mark: is if the team uh, jumps off the ship early or if they stay on because. If I mean, I gotta think. If Herman is telling us the media, and he said it at Big 12 Media Days to us, if he's telling us like to pretty much, hey guys, temper expectation. As much as we know, he likes to ride his players, and he's kind of a hard coach to play for because he expects so much. You've got to think that he's probably he's probably taking a little bit of a back seat on how he coaches this year, given that these aren't his players. This isn't the system that he wants to run. He he understands. He's probably not going to be expected to contend for a Big 12 title this season. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like when they do lose really bad to USC, I don't think it's going to be as I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop off in in terms of team morale. I, I think I, I don't want to sit here and say that oh no the players at Texas are expecting to lose to USC. No, no no no.
1: I mean right now I think he's very much. A uh won over the players, you know, with the locker room renovations and kinda of doing these things to get his his team the things he feels like they need. I think he's won them over in in those regards. Um and they appreciate, you know, the uh the work he's having to put in because you know, wher, what their goals are, but they haven't lost yet and, and all that can change when you start losing and if he if Herman gets um a little frustrated with that that'll be that'll be interesting to watch um do you want to go ahead and get into your i guess top four now top four yeah
0: yes and a few of our riders might be mad at me um oh. <laughs> so i'm sorry i don't even know what that means <laughs> um well i have west virginia as the fourth team in the big 12 i have them at eight and four Five, so, so do I. Five and four in conference, and I really have them falling off at the end of the years. The, I mean, look at the end of that schedule. Oklahoma State, Iowa State at home, Kansas State on the road, Texas at home, at Oklahoma. That's, yeah. I mean, even even Baylor before the Oklahoma State game. Baylor and Waco, and you've got to consider the travel, as you always mm-hmm. do with West Virginia. Um, I'm a little higher, I'm a little bit higher on Baylor than you are. Um, I lo- Mainly because I love Matt Rule. I think he's going to have his team prepared every game. Um, so it, it's they kind of remind me of a bad Kansas State team where, okay, this is going to be a win, but it's not going to be an easy win.
1: He's going to have to pull some tricks out to manage his death. That, that, that'll be – there's still some death concerns on that team. Now, um, Jay, again, is really, really high on the quarterback, the quarterback in the wings, and the name – I don't have the name off the top of my head. Um, but he thinks he could be playing by, like, game three – and uh, he thinks he's very, very good. Now, now that stuff could change, and Baylor could be a lot better than we think. They're, they're a little bit of, a,
0: of an unknown. I mean, a lot of these teams are going to be unknowns. I mean, even Oklahoma, yeah. with all the talent they have coming back, I mean, you, you don't just replace Bob Stoops. I mean, as critical as I've been in the past of Bob Stoops and as other people have been with him, he's still one of the top five. He was, when he was the coach at Oklahoma, he was one of the top five coaches in the entire country. And he has a proven track record of dominating the conference. You don't just have him retire and then just keep going. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of a drop off. There has to be, unless Lincoln Riley is the next great head coach. Uh, but the chances uh, of that are pretty uh, slim.
1: Unless you're following, uh, unless you're doing like a, a following Thurman Thomas up with Barry Sanders or something like that. It's, or yeah,
0: or I mean uh, Jimbo Fisher, yeah. you know, at Florida State followed a legend and won a mm-hmm. national title. Yeah. Uh, But there were still growing pains in his first few years. Um, But yeah, with West Virginia, I'll I'll just you know we'll get into the schedule breakdowns later on. But I mean, I have them beating Virginia Tech. I basically have them starting up the year really well. And I I think the big the other than OU Texas, which is always you know just because it's OU Texas, the big game in the conference at the beginning of the conference slate. uh, I have West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Um, going head to head in Morgantown as two undefeated teams. So that will probably be a primetime game, really big showcase game for the conference. But that's basically where I see West Virginia's season going off the deep end. And it's I mean, it's really no no slight to West Virginia. I know they're going to have a little bit of improvement at quarterback just simply because Skylar Howard, for as tough as he was and as well as he played at times last year, he was he's not the answer that you you're looking for in terms of competing for a conference title. So Will, Will Greer just off that alone should be an improvement. Well, we don't know yet. But there is more death at West Virginia. There is a better um, attitude um, with Holgerson now that I, I noticed at Media Day. But just Oklahoma State, Iowa State, K-State, Texas, Oklahoma, that's, that's not a recipe for success to end your season. If West Virginia runs through that with a winning record, they're playing and probably winning the Big 12 championship. Yeah, they would have proved I mean, it on the field by that point.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's a tough end. You, okay,
0: so where are you at? Are now? they are, are they eight and four in your prediction? No,
1: I have them at nine and three. Nine and three. Yep, I have. They're my number four team as
0: well. <clears throat> so, um, do you want to give your my number three team? It's Kansas State at nine and three. Um I basically have them losing to obviously the teams ahead of them which are the Oklahoma schools if you haven't been keeping track of the Oklahoma schools um the thing with Kansas State I think I'll, I think their team is going to play well above expectation even though their expectations are pretty high going into this year I think there's going to be a lot of team morale around Bill Snyder possibly being his last year at Kansas State I mean it's been that way for the last few years that it's always bill snyder's like they're like the san antonio spurs I and mean, it's all the spurs are always going to be old this year bill snyder is always this is always going to be mm-hmm. his last year so but i think they have the talent to back it up on the field now i think they they kind of go through their cycle of having two down years and then they have that third and fourth year where they well, really have a lot of senior leadership
1: i also think that at the end of goal season last year Kansas State had just as much momentum and just as much hype as Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and it was really thought of as they'll be your three contenders next year.
0: They looked they, when they played Texas A and M; they looked like they had more athletes than Texas A and M on the field. Right, and,
1: and, and somewhere between now and then, you know, they've kind of taken a backseat to the Oklahoma schools, but um, I don't count them out. I, I you know I, I won't give away my my top yet because. We're gonna be different. I'll, I'll say we are. We are di- different in this. But go ahead.
0: At number two, I have Oklahoma um, at ten and two. So probably everybody understands that their l- first loss is gonna be Ohio State. Um, I, like I told Chris before the show, um, every other day when I start thinking about it, I get a little bit more confident for Oklahoma's chances going into Columbus. But even still, that's like the difference between 100% they're going to lose and 99%, 98% that they're going to lose. Okay. It's, it's, it's too big of a hurdle with a first-year rookie head coach, especially playing a team on the road that destroyed you by 20-plus points last year.
1: So let me put this out there. I have Oklahoma winning that game.
0: See, that... I, I, I don't know. Well, we have I,
1: talked I, about this, and we have said multiple a definite, times that is not a win for OU.
0: That there is a definite revenge factor that I can really see Baker Mayfield thriving in with this well, game. He, here,
1: here's what it is for me. We, we both know Lincoln Riley will go through growing pains, right? But right now, this team is so fired up to back him. He he's got so much excitement, He was Stoops and everything. I mean, there, I think they go get this win for him.
0: There is no Houston to derail their season. on the first week of the season. Yeah,
1: I I think they go get this win. They've talked about starting strong and that kind of thing. I think they go get this win, this revenge win. Now, it would be an upset because... It would definitely be an upset. Yeah, clearly Ohio State is favored in this game. So we're not saying that...
0: Ohio State's a top-five team. Oklahoma is maybe a top-ten team to start the year off.
1: However, we've seen crazier things happen. So I, I think Oklahoma gets this win. They some of their struggles and, and some of the struggles that Lincoln Riley has transitioning from the OC to the head coach and managing the game, and now he's the situational play caller and that kind of stuff, that kind of rears its head as the season goes on, um, and, and they might kind of uh, stumble a little bit. But I, I, out of the gates, I kind of get the feeling that they could get the win in Columbus.
0: Yeah, Again, um, as we get closer, I get a little bit more confident about that game than I was a few months ago, but even still... Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go out on a limb and say that Oklahoma's going to win it. But um, with Oklahoma's, the rest of their schedule in my prediction, I have them going 10-2. and two. I have their second loss being in Stillwater to Oklahoma State. I just really feel, so obviously that means Oklahoma State's going to be my uh, number one team. Um, I feel like Oklahoma State's riding some, a lot of momentum right now, and I feel like there's a different optimism in the air now that Bob Stoops is gone. However, I will caution OSU fans, it's not a Bob Stoops problem that OSU has. It's an Oklahoma problem. And this is this goes well be, beyond the Bob Stoops era. Um, but having said that, I I feel like OSU is going to have a different mentality going into this game. It's not just, well, we got them at home this year, so maybe we have a chance. It's going to be, you no, know, we got them at home, we got them right where we want them. So I I just I can see that right now. But, with OSU being my number one team, and this is going to be the shocking part, and it's going to be shocking as we get further into this pod, Oklahoma State at 11-1. and one. Just, I'll let you guess. Who do I have Oklahoma State losing to? At 11-1? Iowa State. No. That is a good <laughs> guess, though. They are my dark horse team, even though I have them at six. My, I guess Kansas State. No. West Virginia. No. Oh
1: kansas no uh i'm running out of teams here you are
0: running out of teams pit
1: no uh (laughs) let me look at the schedule south alabama not at all thank god tulsa no thank god all right uh wow texas
0: texas wow
1: on the road yeah it's on the
0: road okay and I, I want this to be about OSU, but let me really quick explain my, my Texas philosophy here. Herman coaches differently against teams that are much, on paper, better than him. OSU's going to go into this game. I feel like we've got this. Like, this is our year. And I feel like that OSU, while they're a very good team, I don't think that they're perfect. And because I don't think that they're perfect, I don't think they're going to finish the season with a perfect record. And I see Tom Herman as the perfect coach... To spoil a perfect season, just like they spoiled Oklahoma season last year.
1: Tom Herman is no Matt or Coach Rhodes. Hmm. What was his first name? Paul Rhodes. Paul. There we go. Paul Rhodes. Yes. Blanked on that. Tom Tom Herman is no Paul Rhodes. He's a better coach than that.
0: Yeah, but this Texas team is better than that Iowa State team. But I mean, this—you can't compare. You know what, five years, six years ago, however long that was. Um, it'll, it'll make sense as we get deeper into Texas. I don't want to – this is the Oklahoma State part of it. Um, Oklahoma State, again, like I just said, they have a different confidence about them. They have a different attitude about them. There's a different optimism. They have the talent, and in the Big 12, you need to put up points, and they have the most definite um, – You know, they have the best triplets in the, in the league – They have an improving defense, they have an improving offensive line, and I just feel like with the losses that Oklahoma had, and that includes Bob Soups, I feel like there's going to be that drop-off, and that drop-off is not dominating Oklahoma State. But, and I'm not going to get into Big 12 champion outright here, but that would then mean that Oklahoma State and Oklahoma would meet again in Dallas. And you've got to imagine how much pressure would be on Mike Gundy to you. Okay, you beat Oklahoma finally, beat him again. That would be that uh, would be some freaking so magic.
1: You, right, yeah, you're right. There would be pressure on Gundy to get that win. But let me ask you: Would there be pressure on Riley, having lost to Gundy out of the gate,
0: oh, then, and yeah. and
1: the Stoops record against Gundy? And would there be pressure on Riley to get that win?
0: Oh, there would definitely be pressure. But, I mean, Bob Bob lost to OSU twice in a row before.
1: Yeah, but, <laughs> but he already had a, what, like 8 0, 9 0 record or yeah. something like that. Well, no, no,
0: 2001, 2002. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: well, true. But that was to Les Miles. Yeah. I'll, so. Oh, uh, Lester. Yeah. So, a little bit different. Okay. So, I'm going to get into my top four here. West Virginia, my number four. I agree with you there. Um,. I, I think they're every bit the dark horse, but in the end, um, I can't bump them ahead of, you know, my top three, which are in no particular. Over- I won't give the order yet, but uh, uh, I can't. I can't bump them ahead. And I go through and I look at their losses. Um, I actually have them first losing to TCU on the road. It's the first r- real road to West test. Virginia. Uh, yeah, West Virginia. I have them losing to TCU, um, but I also have them losing to Oklahoma State. Um, so we agree there. So my top three, you're an OU guy. I'm an OSU guy. Despite the number of times I've been called an OU homer doing this. Um, I come from an OSU background. You come from an OU background. You picked OSU to win, so I'm obligated to pick. I'm not picking OU to win. <laughs> right. I have. I actually have Oklahoma State winning it all. And then behind them, I, I'm giving my number one first because there's a little bit of drama at two and three. I have Kansas State and OU finishing both 10-2. and two. However, Kansas State won the heads-up matchup, and they get the nod to the Big 12 championship game where they'll face the Cowboys.
0: So you have OU losing to OSU and Kansas State. Correct. I have, those yes, are their only, those are, those are the only that, two losses. That would be... Because if, if, you, if you basically just said is going to lose two games this year... Everybody would, every OU fan would say, well, Ohio State's one of them, and then there's one loss in conference, which means they're going to play in the Big 12 title game. If that happened, wow, that would be such... I wouldn't even know how to grade Lincoln Riley's first year if that would be the case, because it's like, you beat Ohio State, you win 10 games, but you lost two games in conference, and you lost a chance to play in a Big 12 title game. Like, that would be a very hard season to grade. On
1: the plus side, he would not have lost to the team that lost to Kansas the year before.
0: There you go.
1: (laughs) I mean, they would have the Texas win. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it would mean much for Lincoln Riley because, like you said, we expect a drop-off. But 10-2 is still a really good year. And he also has this bar. Like, Lincoln Riley, nobody's ever walked into a better situation in the history of coaching and but that makes the the bar for success really really high.
0: Yeah, it, it's really it's really this simple. If Lincoln Riley was going into his first year with a new quarterback or question marks at the offensive line because Oklahoma's offensive line is probably going to be the best in the country. They're going to have a definite top 5 pick in Orlando Brown at left tackle. They might even have another few guys drafted into the NFL off that offensive unit. It's a very talented group of group of players. But if Lincoln Riley was going into this with a, a question mark on offense offensive line or a new quarterback, I would probably have them at 8-4, and 7-5. But because of the talent they have coming back, I mean, they're probably going to win 10 games, 9 games at the least. Like, you can't really screw this yeah, up. It's me, a very good situation to walk into. For
1: me, Oklahoma, Kansas State's always played Oklahoma
0: really close and really tough, Right. They played them surprisingly. They played them tougher in Norman, just like OSU. OSU's played tougher in Norman than they have in Stillwater in past years. Other than the big win in 2011, yeah, it's been blowouts in Stillwater and tight games, overtime games in Norman in the past. Five, I mean, six years.
1: I, I see Gundy getting the win because he's the more experienced coach, looking to get that monkey off his back. Kansas State, a very very talented team that OU tends to struggle with, so I have them. It, those aren't bad losses for OU. They're no, just no. they're just losses. And unfortunately that'll keep them from the Big 12 title game.
0: Um they, they would probably put them into a New Year's Six bowl. So it'd be good for the conference. What I yeah. have, what I have could possibly be bad for the conference because if OU and OSU end up the way that I predict and then OU get ends up winning the second mat, the second game, mm-hmm. that could possibly derail getting a team into the playoff. Because, oh, you would uh, have a loss to Ohio State and Oklahoma State and be 11-2 and two, and basically just beat a team that they had already lost to again. And the committee could probably look at that and say, the Big 12 just has a bunch of solid teams, but no one great team. Yeah. So they're, So this could be potentially bad. What you have is... Potentially great, because you have a definite um, great Big 12 champion, I'm going to assume, with OSU, Mm -hmm. and then two teams in Kansas State and Oklahoma that are New Year's Six um, eligible.
1: Yes. Now, it'll be weird because of the Big 12 bowl tie-ins, and the way the uh, other New Year Six bowls work since the uh, Fiesta Bowl is a, um, since it's part, or is it the Sugar Bowl? Which the Sugar Bowl? That's what yeah. it used to be. The Fiesta. Now, since the Sugar Bowl is the Big 12's tie-in New Year's Six Bowl, but that is now a playoff game this year. So the Big Twelve doesn't have the automatic tie-in. It's only the Big Twelve can still get in, but then um, the other like the Fiesta Bowls contra- uh, contractually obligated to put the Pac-12 and the SEC in like three times at every like so many years. So I, the Big Twelve would have a hard time getting a playoff team and two New Year's New Year Six. Bowls that would be extremely it, unlikely.
0: It, yeah, it's unlikely, but it's it's just the fact that they might they, not they even have eligible yeah. teams that you could you could debate like this team is good enough to play in the Cotton Bowl. This team is good enough to play, yeah. you know, and and in a the, different. Type the of- only
1: way they're guaranteed a New Year's Six bowl is if they don't make the playoff this year. Mm-hmm. So I could see you know like Oklahoma State going to the playoff, but we, there's no other New Year's Six Big Twelve team only because of the way the bowl schedule. Breaks out, but because of that bump down, you're looking at a very, very good bowl season for the Big Twelve because they'll be favored in most of their matchups because of that bump down. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's going to really come down to. I mean, it's really, it's really weird to have a a conference title game. It's been talked about a zillion times. It's really hard. It's really weird to have a conference title game when you have ten teams because you could have the possibility of having a team being bounced out or the conference overall being push down in the pecking order in terms of what at-large teams to pull from. So
1: I've been working on a post. I've been working on an article about the rematch. And going back through, and, and I'll give some spoilers here. Um, but So I, I've pulled all the data. And I've pulled all the data for all the Power 5 Conference Championship rematches. And I've also pulled all the data for the um, all the bowl uh, bowl game rematches that were played earlier in the season. And there's an interesting trend in conference title rematches. The t- the team that won game one wins game two like sixty plus percent of the time. I can't remember the exact number, but it, it's the majority of the time easily. Um, however, you're looking at cross divisions, right? And so it's not always the best team against the second best team. It's it's most of the time it's not. You know, it's the best team versus the fourth or fifth best team. So the best team still wins the game. Um, What's interesting – what is interesting is bowl rematches, which are kind of more competitive because they're, they're put into that bowl for a reason, right? They're, they're, they're evenly matched teams. The team that won game one only won the, the bowl rematch 28% of the time. So when you're looking at a 1v2 rematch and they're evenly matched, the Big 12 could actually – that number two team could win more than it loses.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot. Of, one thing that people have really glossed over with this whole, you know, rematch is it's going to make a hell of a storyline because there is going to be two teams are going to play each other again, and everybody loves a good revenge mm-hmm. story. So you're going to have that, and especially if that team is a 10-win team. Mm-hmm. So basically, a team that has the ability to, if they win, could you could debate they deserve to be in the playoff. Oh, there's going. There is there is that excitement that. That could, you know, the Big 12 championship could bring about.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll say this: in my scenario, where I have Kansas State and Oklahoma uh, tied, with Kansas State getting the tiebreaker, it in the Oklahoma State Kansas State rematch, I actually for Oklahoma State feel better about that rematch than I would about oh, Oklahoma State OU. I would actually give the advantage to Oklahoma in the rematch.
0: Yeah, I'm, and this is basically because. I think you kind of said it earlier, Kansas State is not getting as much hype as the Oklahoma schools, yet mm-hmm. they're picked to be relatively high in the conference. Well, that comes from not having you know game breakers and playmakers on their squad. I mean, they, they might develop some as the season wears on, but they don't have a Heisman candidate. When you don't have Heisman candidates and you don't have game breakers, you don't have that unknown ability going into a game where it's like, well, Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State and Stillwater earlier this year, so OSU has the advantage. But it's like, no... Oklahoma's Baker Mayfield, and then vice versa. If Oklahoma wins in Stillwater but then plays OSU again, it's, well, OSU has Mason Rudolph and James Washington, best wide receiver in the Big 12, so they have a chance. So just like you were saying, if OSU and Kansas State play in the Big 12 title game in the rematch after OSU would win, yes, I would completely agree. I would, I would I'd say OSU has that game pretty much in the bag, and that's no slight to Kansas State. It's just Oklahoma State has so much more talent than Kansas State. But if it is OU and OSU again, I mean, just forget the fact that it's a rivalry game. It's going to be amped up to the nth degree. It's in Dallas, neutral site. So much more to play for than just bragging rights. And then you basically get it down to talent on the field. And OU and OSU, while OSU may have won the first game, you can't really debate who has the better talent. It's pretty evenly matched this season.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in, in I think part of that is the Mason Rudolph-Baker-Mayfield duel Like, you wouldn't expect, in a rematch, I don't care who the rematch is, I kind of...
0: That would be great for the conference. That would definitely catapult either one, definitely one, but maybe even two of them to New York if they have a good year. How
1: how much are uh, Kansas State's, I would say, lack of expectation, you know, the fact they've kind of fallen behind Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, how much is that is because of Jesse Ertz not being a gunslinger, Heisman candidate quarterback?
0: I mean, that that definitely plays a big deal in it. And, I mean, I kind of said it earlier about them not having a game-breaker. If, if they had a quarterback that could make plays happen when everything breaks down, Baker Mayfield can do that. Mason Rudolph can do that to a degree. Um, he mainly relies on his arm strength. But it's so damn good. He's an NFL prospect that he can kind of transcend not being able to make a play with his legs. Uh, but because of that – that's when it gets a little tricky on trying to predict how Kansas State will perform against the upper echelon teams, the Oklahoma's, the Oklahoma States, in this league. Um, I think that they're definitely good enough to win one or even both of those games if everything kind of falls their way. But I just, I'm, I'm a slave to talent, man, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have more talent than Kansas State. They have better players. And, yes, Kansas State can find them on a bad day, but... I'm not here to predict bad days. I'm here to predict really good days, especially if you're a Texas fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, I, I think that about sums it up. Yeah. What's your biggest uh, upset?
0: My biggest upset is going to be Texas and Oklahoma State. And okay. uh, I just it makes sense to me. I don't know why. it's. I'm kind of having this weird, weird science in my head about it. I kind of said earlier, Tom Herman really gets his t- his players and his team up for games that this is like the statement win of this program for this season. And I see Oklahoma State, especially if Oklahoma State and West Virginia play each other both undefeated, Oklahoma State comes out on top. They're going to be a top-five team. It's going to be pretty, pretty damn similar to what Herman did to Florida State in the Peach Bowl a few years ago, to what he did to Oklahoma last year. Um, but with that... I'll just read you how I have Texas going. Like, win against Maryland, win against San Jose State, lose to USC, lose to Iowa State, beats Kansas State, loses to Oklahoma, beats Oklahoma State, loses to Baylor and TCU, and then finishes the year with wins against Kansas at West Virginia and Texas Tech, which would then, knowing the Texas love in the rankings, catapult them to, you know, the top 10. <laughs> They'll get an automatic BCS berth mm-hmm. and then start the next season at number three.
1: <laughs> yeah, I that's... Man, winning on the road at West Virginia, that, that might be your biggest upset. See, I don't know. you know,
0: that's... I keep hearing that. West Virginia has not become, you know, college station of the Big 12 yet. No, they, but... They, they have all the ingredients to be that college... that 12th man stadium. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it happens this year, but I keep hearing that.
1: I, okay, so here's the thing. I think West Virginia traveling doesn't affect them all that much because, they, they're point, fairly, really because they're fairly used to it. However, the other teams that they only travel to West Virginia every other year, it's only been a handful of years, I still think there's some... It's a bigger deal for the teams going to West Virginia than it is West Virginia.
0: I, I definitely agree because um, I have been to Morgantown before and it's definitely a um, very annoying to get there, you, it's not you don't just fly into Morgantown. It's very annoying. Um, but them losing last year the way they did to Oklahoma, with everything going for them, the snow, the fans, the height, Oklahoma not being very good, def- not being very good, being terrible defensively, and then they just get beat like a drum. Yeah, and the, like the, that. The whole Morgantown is like a tough place to play until it happens. I'm not going to predict it.
1: They have lost some key games at they home. They lost to Texas
0: two years ago in more than Yeah,
1: they, they have lost some key games at home. So that's, I mean, I agree that they don't have that. Um,
0: the track record just yet. Yeah,
1: no, de- definitely not. I, my biggest upset is probably Oklahoma at Ohio State getting the win there. Um, other oh, you than- want
0: to you, you do non-conference? Oh, sure. I mean, right, just like, whatever. Yeah, hold on. I have OSU beating Pittsburgh, Kansas State beating Vanderbilt, West Virginia beating Virginia Tech, which will probably be a, an upset on paper
1: at the beginning By of the By a year. point or two. That, that That's basically a coin flip.
0: Texas beating Maryland, like I said. Iowa State beating Iowa, which is always fun. Baylor beating Duke, which would – that would be a good win for Baylor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think those teams are kind of evenly matched as well. I don't think Duke – I, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to them, but I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. I could be
0: wrong with that. Sheshsky's um, getting pretty old.
1: Yeah, and, and the ACC is kind of crowded, so I, I don't know how well they're going to be doing, but
0: um, my my two biggest upsets are going to be TCU at Arkansas and Texas Tech against Arizona State. I think they I think they get one win one good win this year, and I think it's. Not necessarily a good win for them because I think Cliff Kingsbury is gonna be out by the end of the year anyway, but it's gonna be definitely a big win for the for the conference. Yeah. Play him in Lubbock, play him at night. I think they'll they'll make it happen for a night at least. So
1: go through here something let's look at this. Go through here the biggest games for the um for the Big Twelve against the power five opponents. Uh, and, and what's the record? I have only to look here at Baylor. I have them losing to Duke, so that's 0 1. Then I have Iowa State beating Iowa, so we're, the Big 12 is 1 1. I have, well, Kansas doesn't play anybody. <laughs> I have Ohio's kind
0: of good every once in a while. I have
1: Kansas <laughs> State beating Vanderbilt, so that's 2 1. I have Oklahoma in the upset win beating Ohio State, so that's 3 1, which would be a huge win for the Big 12. Uh, and then I have Oklahoma State beating Pitt, so that's 4-1. Then I have TC losing to Arkansas, so that's 4-2. I have Texas losing to USC, that's 4-3. I have Texas Tech losing to both Arizona State and Houston. And Houston's not a Power 5, but that'll be a bad loss. So, but, power, power, like, Power 5, that's 4-4. Four and four. And then if you count Houston, that's 4-5 in just big games. But I do have West Virginia getting the win against Virginia Tech. Um, I think the Mountaineers are ready for that rivalry game. I think they're ready to prove something, chip it on the shoulder. So 5-5 five and five in, in the big games, which isn't as bad as I guess it could be. It could be worse if, you know, Ohio State does beat Oklahoma. Then they'll be the, the losing record there in, in my scenario. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have Tech losing to Houston as well. Um, TCU going undefeated in conference, same with Baylor and Iowa State. Texas obviously losing to USC. Uh, West Virginia undefeated. Kansas State undefeated. Um, Oklahoma, in my scenario, losing to Ohio State and OSU beating mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. So in that aspect, that would be huge for the conference. And and overall, I think I did the tally. Overall, in, in the non-conference slate, I have the Big 12 going 25-5. and five. If that's the case, especially after last season, um, I, that does a whole lot of good for the Big 12. And they're going to need to build up a lot of good credit. Going into a potential rematch between an OU, OSU, or yeah. OSU, Kansas State, or what have so you—so
1: twenty-five and five—but that would be basically four and five in the big games, right? Because there's nine big games. Yeah,
0: but with the way matchups have, with the way the matchups are, and a lot of the negativity from the conference over the last few years, basically just going five hundred would be—it would be enough to where nobody nationally would really pay attention. If the conference goes 0 and 5 in these big games or 1 and 4 in these big games, then that's when that's when you're going to get a lot the, the of the biggest. Negativity.
1: The biggest thing it will live or die with Oklahoma at Ohio State because or or Texas Tech at Houston because what we saw last year was I don't even think it really mattered what the rest of the conference did but when Oklahoma lost to Houston and then lost to Ohio State that just kind of in everybody's mind. That was just like the Big Twelve doesn't stack up.
0: Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I had those same thoughts, uh, but I, w- I will say, I kind of have to say, for um, purposes um, that I won't divulge, if OU beats Ohio State, they're going undefeated.
1: Who? Who? Uh, well, <laughs> um, who? Who? Uh, last year, between Ohio State and Houston,
0: if they played them again at the end of the year. Would Oklahoma have lost to either of them? I don't think so because, and I've said this a few times, Ohio State, after they played Oklahoma, slowly got worse. Mm-hmm. They slow, like they, they slowly got worse and ended up losing to Penn State, and then they played Clemson in a game that they really should not have been in.
1: Yeah. They didn't
0: even play in their conference, conference title yeah. game. And, I mean, people want to make the comparison to the 0 3 ou team that lost. At least they made it to the damn conference title game. Um, yeah, and then Clemson plays, or Ohio State plays Clemson and gets Beaten, utterly destroyed, and shut out 31 to nothing. Houston, same thing. After um, Herman beat Oklahoma, he mentally checked out. And he kind of showed that at Big Told Media Day when he was asked about no team from Texas finishing in the top 25. And he said, No, I thought we did it at Houston. It's like, Well, probably when the time you mentally checked out, yeah, they were probably ranked, but yeah. no, they didn't finish it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. In, in you know, it's it's one of those things that's kind of odd to me is, or at least my perception of it is, when we're going and looking forward to this season and people are, you know, giving their projections and you know I hear them given out across all of college football and, and multiple outlets and you know, I'm kind of the same way. I think we're reflecting back more on last year's non-conference than we are the actual bowl season.
0: That, and that's why that's why non-conference is so important because. I mean, narratives are narratives are always going to fit what you you know basically will, you know whatever the national media wants to kind of promote. They're going to go by either the bowl record, the non-conference record, regular season record, just whatever it works. Right now, for what works for them is last year's non-conference, because it's certainly not the bowl performances.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, four and two in the bowl games. There were some big, big wins. Kansas State. Uh, Oklahoma State, and you saw uh, Bob Bowlesby come out and make those comments during Big 12 media days. Um, so, but, but it's interesting because everybody looks back and, and they think about, well, the Oklahoma-Ohio State, that's a loss. And we think back to the non-conference last year. But who would have Ohio State beating Oklahoma at the end of the last season? Because I think it's clear that Ohio, that Oklahoma was playing
0: better football until the very end of the year. Yes, now going into the end of the year, people was still pick Ohio State, but I, I did not like the way they ended their year. I, I really don't look like JT Barrett. I, he looks real. He looks like a Heisman candidate against Oklahoma, but then again, a lot of people looked like Heisman candidates against Oklahoma <laughs> last year with that defense. Um, um, if
1: that's the bar, then Mahomes should have had some hardware for,
0: for an Urban Meyer quarterback. JT Barrett is he doesn't do anything spectacular. He basically just doesn't lose them a lot of games. And when you're playing against teams that have similar talents than you and all you're relying on is basically a game manager, he's he, he, I don't want to say Barrett is a game manager because he does have talent. But when you're relying on a game manager against a, a squad with the talent like Oklahoma or Penn State or Michigan, you're probably going to lose a few of those games. Now, last year they, they found ways to defeat Michigan and they destroyed Oklahoma, who just came off of an embarrassing loss to Houston. But... You know, just like you said with your prediction that OU beats Ohio State, there's no Houston to derail OU's season at the beginning of the year. So they'll go into this game with a much clearer mindset of let's go back and kind of avenge that loss last year. Are you
1: discounting Utah?
0: Hey, uh, OU went down to El Paso (laughs) a few years ago, and it was a game with like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: say there's no speed bump there, but that could get ugly. Uh, All no. <laughs> I know is it's
0: going to be hot that day. It's going to be hot. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. It's yes, going to be yes, hot yes.
0: in the Midwest that day, or the Southwest. Yeah. Just to kind of come full circle with this show.
1: Yeah, but the, I feel like the season's starting maybe a, a little bit later this year, where it's you typically have like a late August game, but... Or it's now, 102. Yeah, <laughs> but now it's... A, Six o'clock kickoff. Yeah, a September 2nd game, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be definitely very interesting. All right, what else you got?
0: That's pretty much it. I don't really want to get into uh, who I think will win the Big 12 title between OU and OSU because I think it's really just I would just want to leave it there. I think it's really
1: hedge our bet. Yeah,
0: it's it's it is July. You know, let's get a little cl- wait wait a few more weeks till we get a little further into bowl performances. But I feel pretty good. i I'm, I feel pretty good that. I also feel kind of weird. I say Iowa State's my dark horse team, but with the way I have the schedules laid out, it appears that Texas is. I think a lot of that just stems from, I think Tom Herman is the guy for the job. And because of that, I don't think that his first year is going to be an utter disaster. Because if his first year is an utter disaster, there will be some boo birds in Austin. And... Um, go back to Bob Stoops' first year. It wasn't the greatest, but 7-5, seven, seven and five, uh, destroying a ranked A&M team in Norman. They had some really good wins. They were in a lot of games that they lost but could have won. Yeah. There was optimism going into year two with, uh, with the Oklahoma program, and I see that with Texas and them winning their last three games. I see that kind of similar trajectory. But,
1: but if you pay attention to really what Tom Herman is saying, I do feel like he is. Has... Kind of subtly saying, you know, I we might not be very good this year. I'm not
0: very good at listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that that'll be, you know, I I don't know how much confidence he has in this team. I think he doesn't have the personnel he would like right now. Um, I mean, and I think that's where I think people have to pay attention to that, and you can't discount that. And again, you look at who's above them
0: and. And
1: yeah, I, I don't have much different from the Longhorns this year. Now, next year might be a different story.
0: Well, if they're recruiting, it needs, to, it needs to improve on the field, but Texas has always recruited well. It's always comes down to how they perform on the field. But, again, I think Herman's the guy. But at the end of the day, if you want just to kind of rehash everything really quick, I have Oklahoma State and Oklahoma playing in the Big 12 title game, followed by Kansas State at three, West Virginia at four, Texas at five, Iowa State at six. Baylor at 7, TCU at 8, Kansas at 9, Texas Tech at 10. All my Red Raider friends can send me hate mail at BradyTrantham at gmail.com um, I will gladly read through all your cuss words. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I just don't see a lot of good things for the Red Raiders this year. But I could be completely wrong. Yes. Yeah. Half the time I'm completely wrong, but it's it, the fun. Texas Tech
1: is kind of weird. I think Internally, they, they see eight or even nine wins possible, seven wins, somewhere in there. But outside of Lubbock, everybody else kind of has them at the three, four wins mark. Um, my, top, my top, or my rankings are Oklahoma State, then Kansas State and OU at two and three, with Kansas State getting the nod, even with the tied record. Um, West Virginia at four, TCU at five, Iowa State at six, Texas at seven. Number eight, Texas Tech. Number nine, Kansas. I also have them out of the basement, and the new uh, basement dweller is Baylor. And uh, you can tell us how right the I new am. One? <laughs> yeah. The the new. Well, I mean, yeah. Kansas is. You know, they're they're a rung up the ladder. They're a little bit out of the basement. Um. Yeah. So feel free to tell me how right I am. How much you agree with me. How. Um, I mean, my, my picks pics are just absolutely perfect. Feel free to <laughs> to share that with me and let me know how much you love it at the underscore LGG on Twitter. Um, give us a follow. We always like that. Share it on Facebook. If you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to it on iTunes, be sure to you know give it a, a rating or a comment. That stuff helps a lot. Um, we love it. You have anything to add there?
0: Uh, hurry up! Football season. Yeah, I'm no tired fear. of watching all this boring crap on ESPN that isn't a sport.
1: All right, go ahead, and, <laughs> go ahead and take us out. I'm looking forward to reading the comments on here, and uh, so let's get this posted.
0: Hey, everybody! Thanks once again for listening to the Quick Slant podcast. Uh, please don't forget to um, like and subscribe, of course. Uh, leave a review on iTunes; helps us out a lot, and we'll greatly appreciate it. But for Mister Chris Ross, this is Brady Trantham. Uh, don't forget, it's the Big Twelve versus the world. I'm done! I'm done! done. Are you kidding me? I'm done!